Hello, lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, uh, and I am stoked for this week's show. We talked about it last week with a little bit of preview action. I've been sitting on all of my feelings around this show for over a month at this point, and finally they can all unleash. We're talking Paris is bumping Solid Gold 21 in full force. No spoiler-free zones. Everything on the table uh, today. The show debuted last Thursday. If you haven't seen it, go check it out on independentwrestling.tv. Um, but I'm very happy that I have DJ Accident Report back on the show from the Nobodies and Judgment uh, to chat about the the show. Um, of course, he was there uh, live in the building as well. You know, manning the uh, the music. Uh, end of things and um, on the judges panel and just all around having a blissfully good time as everyone else in that building was that night. Um, Leave it to Billy Dixon to turn into straight Bill on the day before uh, we end up (laughs) just talking about all of the the gagging that happened um, during this show uh, with Accident Report. Anyway, (laughs) but no, the show was... Fantastic. There's your, I guess, summation there. But um, we get into a lot of different things around the the emotion and the atmosphere of the show, and and um, obviously hit some high points for both of us. All around, can't suggest the show enough. It's just so good. If you haven't watched it, go check it out. Um, and definitely check it out if you have any interest before listening to this. We'll be here for you to come back and listen to our thoughts after you go experience it for yourself because. Is it an experience? Um, That being said, though, we're going to get into that conversation real quick. But I did want to highlight that um, there is another company that's coming up that's going to be running uh, their first show on today, as a matter of fact. Grap House out in Las Vegas, headed up by all of the uh, Simp for the Business crew, Sandra Moon, Adriel Noctis, Lazarus, and of course, uh, the A-Cap Taker Jody. Um, that show is stacked head to toe. A lot of awesome talent from the West Coast, as well as some of the names that you have grown to love um, over the past few years from the independent scene, the LGBTQ scene as well. Uh, and Grab House promises to be a very interesting mix of uh, hip-hop and pro wrestling. Probably not exactly what we saw from No Hook, but um, their own their own creation shall you say. And they're crowning up their first champion tonight as well. Adriel Noctis and MV Young, the Polyam King, uh, are going to be he- taking on one another for that new championship. So, um, obviously, if you're in Vegas, they still have tickets available. If you haven't, if you're not in Vegas, like me, um, I don't think they formally announced any streaming stuff around this show, but it might be safe to kind of, like, maybe check out the Versus Pro Wrestling Twitch channel before or around, say, like, 8 p.m. Uh, Pacific. I think that they they might have something going on there, crossing fingers, because that show just it, up and down it looks like it's going to be a delight. I cannot wait for Sandra Moon and Josh Fuller to finally settle the cum shirt debate. I said that on a wrestling podcast. Anyway, <laughs> 
that being said, let's talk about Paris' Bumping Solid Gold 21, the blending, the second edition of the blending of ballroom culture and pro wrestling. Here's my conversation with DJ Accent Report. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. I am very excited to have as my guest this week someone who was live in the building for Paris is Bumping Solid Gold 21. Someone who was on the judges panel was spinning all of the fun uh, tunes and beats, despite what PB Smooth might want to say. Um, <laughs> at the show and uh someone who honestly like is probably the best voice to throw uh opinions alongside me here for uh, talking about this show uh from the nobodies dj accident report welcome back to lgbt in the hello room. thank you thank you for having me again i'm happy to be here happy to be chatting about it uh i am no longer hung over from the show <laughs> itself or from the watching of the show a few weeks later you know i would I, w- I would be very hopeful that uh you would not be hung over from the actual show night considering how, how <laughs> long it bad. was <laughs> but but no like i don't know i'm i'm still buzzing honestly as well from from thursday night's premiere um and especially like reliving that whole experience from the from my couch like it, it honestly maybe the, i don't know if you can maybe tell me if you felt the same way about it but like just in terms of watching the show and knowing the emo- like the emotion and what, what the feeling was inside that building did you feel like watching it from home properly translated that well in a no. way <laughs> <laughs> i must admit no um i mean look like i've been a dj for live events for like 11 years i've been to balls i've been to wrestling shows and it's uh, uh watching it on tv isn't the same the speaker isn't crackling you know like uh there isn't screaming people around you it's just it's not the same i mean the good news is that you can edit uh things in video so it feels a little shorter um, <laughs> because the balls are long honey but um like uh no, it was it was not the same. I mean, I had fun watching it. It's fun to tweet along with everyone. It's fun seeing people's reactions all over again. But you, it's nothing compares to a live event, no matter what. No, I I definitely feel that. Um, I think that I I found myself getting a much more um, not much more, but like like I found myself getting hyped watching it again. But nothing matches the energy that was in that room that night. Um, Obviously, like this is the second iteration of Paris's bumping. You've been there for both of them. Um, I'm curious, you know, talking to Billy about the first show, obviously that first show was meant to be held in front of an audience. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it could not happen because of the pandemic and everything, but y'all still made something outstanding there in that bar in rural Maryland. Um, but looking at that show and then pushing forward to this one where we were able to have fans in there, what do you feel the fans brought to it that 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 made it different uh i mean look like energy obviously is a huge thing and being able to play off of a crowd for any kind of live performers drag wrestler ballroom whatever is it's just different um i that the the first paris is bumping when we were in that weird bar in the middle of nowhere was amazing because we hadn't seen anyone in like eight months at that point or something so there was that there was a kind of manic energy there of like oh my god i'm around people again 
And then it was sort of like tripled when it was like there was an actual crowd. So I, I, the, the shows felt really different for me. There was also like an air of, of, I felt at least a little bit of melancholy around the first one because it was like, well, will we be able to do that? Like, is this a temporary thing? Like, how long will we be able to see each other? Is this pandemic getting worse? We, we had no idea what was coming. You know, no one was vaccinated at that point. So the, the vaccines weren't even approved at that point. So it was, it was exciting, but also frightening. Um, I remember getting really scared about my own health when I got home and wondering if, I think I quarantined for two weeks after. So as, as much fun as it was, it was also a little scary. And I, of course there are still risks. We're still in a pandemic. I'm not ignorant, but um, you know, I was vaccinated and so was I think all of the performers and probably most of the audience. So the, the risk felt much less, it felt safer. It felt better to be there. Um, but it's the energy of the crowd more than anything. It's the fact that people were having fun, that there was cheering, that there was dancing. Um, you know, I did a few like Zoom DJ sets and I hated them. I just, I didn't think it was fun. You know, I, the, the whole point of playing music for a crowd is that there's a crowd and I, I, I can have a nice time playing music for myself in my bedroom, but it, it's just not the same. No, I, I could definitely see how that would differ. Um, <laughs> but and speaking to that kind of like that mystery that was there around that first show, like, you know, not knowing exactly when everybody will be able to get together again, that sort of thing. How did it make you feel whenever you did realize that the second Paris is bumping was going to be able to have an audience at it? I mean, I was very excited, obviously. I wondered if it would feel safe, which it, I felt it did. I didn't feel unsafe in it. I don't know how you felt, but maybe because I was six feet away from everyone, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it was, I was really, I was worried because I, you, you throw a live event these days, you don't know if you're gonna sell five tickets or a hundred tickets because at any given moment, it, depending on what, when you look at the headline in the day, it could look like the doomsday or it could look like you know, a bright new future. So I, I was just really scared that honestly, no one would want to come. And I didn't think it was because of the quality of the show, of course, but because I, I thought people were still really scared. Um, and it turns out they are, of course, but, but not scared enough. You know, I think there is a reasonable way to be safe at these things and it's to get vaccinated. And I think our audience specifically believes in vaccinations. And so Yes, of course, there's a little bit of fear, but there's also the reasonable part of your brain kicking in and saying like, I'm fine, this is fine. I might get a little bit sick, you know, but I am protected. And so I, I think it was it, it, just so night and day from, from the, the first Paris is bumping where the fear was, was palpable mm. in every moment alongside the excitement. Yeah, no, I mean, for myself, like I definitely felt pretty I felt pretty safe in that environment honestly like it really it felt like you were around a community that did take this thing seriously did take right. precautions seriously like Billy was still requiring masks for people there like the precautions were being dictated from the top down and that's the kind of like environment that I felt comfortable in doing it's like I'll be frank I haven't gone out in public that much mm. since all this stuff like went down so um being able to feel that kind of security to actually feel like I was being protected there um 
and to be able to let loose because of that was something that uh yeah it it, it felt really like magical in a way because like, you just don't have experienced that for so long and then finally just like just throw everything to the wind and just fucking yell or something you know <laughs> i don't know yeah i mean you didn't get to see this but we <laughs> did not have the sound system set up until maybe two minutes before the doors opened. <laughs> so there was like the extra energy of like the the like will this show happen you know like of like what could go wrong and you know like showbiz magic you talk to anyone in wrestling or drag or probably ballroom and it's the same thing of like it feels like the show won't happen until suddenly it's happening. And so that kind of manic energy was also part of it of like literally rewiring the speakers so that they work until five seconds before the show started. Like, yeah, I was on a high by the time like my music was bumping and people were coming. in. Mm, I could definitely, I could definitely see that. I could definitely see how that would put a little bit more oomph into things. Um, and kind of talking about that as well, like what was your anticipation like heading into this? Like for, for yourself personally, not necessarily looking at like having the crowd there or like being able to have a, a big show or in this way, but just like for yourself to know there was another one of these events coming down the pike. I mean, I felt like, like I told you last time, I think I felt very honored that I was, I was invited to DJ like a real ballroom party. You know, I've looked up to ballroom DJs for as since as long as I've heard of ballroom music and I, you know I would never consider myself a full-fledged ballroom DJ I've never DJed a capital B ball let's say so but to to even be given the honor to be a part of that community in a sort of tangential way was was an honor for me and I, so that was what I was really I felt very honored to be asked to do it and I felt honored that I got, I was allowed to play whatever I wanted. I, I, I like, I, I think one of the coolest things about watching the show for me, especially last week was seeing people being like, I've never heard this kind of music. What kind of music is this? Like, because it is a really beautiful and intense and exciting genre of music that people don't know anything about unless they know about queer culture already. And so to see, you know, like uh, Sugar Dunkerton being like, this playlist is fire. Like, uh, you know, like, that's exciting to me, like to show people a new style of music that they just never even had even heard of before. And, you know, I am maybe not the, the most uh, expert on this style of music compared to people who've been doing it for 20 years, but, you know, I felt good that I got to be able to, to show people that kind, of, that kind of sound. Yeah, and that honestly kind of speaks to what these events do in general in a way like it exposes audiences to things that concepts that they might not necessarily even like associate with pro wrestling or like you like bringing the ballroom music into this like that exposes people to something completely new there there's so much that was on this show that i feel like i haven't seen in other places um in pro wrestling or at least not as often in in other places i mean specifically envy young pulling his pants down in the middle of uh, getting judged for before the boxers or priest match. Like, I don't know. I haven't seen that in a while in pro wrestling. <laughs> I feel like I see it every time I'm on a show with him, but maybe. I mean, I <laughs> that, that sounds, uh, that sounds legit. Actually, <laughs> like that, I, th I have imagined that would happen a lot <laughs> for you. Like looking at what was going to be on this show though, like in terms of the matches, the, the moments and everything, what was, what was, um, 
garnering the most anticipation for you? Well, this is a bad answer, but I'll give it to you anyway. Um, <laughs> I honestly was most looking forward to Edith versus Mariah. I, mm. I just thought that would have been the most incredible match. The four-way, the four, the what actually ended up happening, um, Edith having a concussion still and not being cleared to wrestle, you know, of course it's more important to take care of your health, but I had, Mariah is a really good wrestler on top of being incredibly yeah. beautiful. So I would have, I was really, really, really excited to see um, the two of them because they're just so both talented on top of being extremely exciting, charismatic personalities and characters. Um, the other thing I was definitely most excited for is, oh, Devon, every single time, Devon Monroe, <laughs> like, it, you know, Billy announced him as the future of wrestling. And I think it's true that like characters like that who are just so proud of themselves and happy to be there and extremely technically proficient, but also doing amazing character work, like that's the T like right there. So that was the other one I was really excited for. And um, Yil was a great opponent, a really good foil to Devon. So that was the, the other match. I, I thought the the boxers and briefs match was going to be really fucking stupid to be honest <laughs> but it ended up being really fun and i i me and edith were really gagging during that and hearing edith announce during that was also really funny her announced her style of announcing as if it was she were like in the fashion club in daria or something like <laughs> kind of like gay deadpan i was like yes perfect excellent no, it was, I am with you on that. Like, that was just one of those things that just, I wasn't expecting, because I've never, obviously, Edith's never announced. So, like, I wouldn't know what to expect, but when it did come down, like, yep, it, it fits all too well. Um, I'm with you on Edith and um, Mariah. I was really excited for that match. Like, not just because of their abilities in the ring, but because of what it represented um, in terms of, you know, trans identities in pro wrestling and main eventing a show like this obviously edith health takes over everything for her there but um the i think the main event with um mariah in there with the bbb and uh the house of no bullshit was a lot of fun i was very curious to see what washi would have in store this mm. time around mm -hmm. and oh my god um it it delivered probably one of the more like emotional things that i've seen in pro wrestling in a long time um it's very similar to how she did on the first paris's bumping which i was like really her first foray into pro into the pro wrestling world um with the um dark side of the daughter performance then what was um how did you feel like seeing washi kind of come out and paying tribute to to her late father oh it was very emotional it was very emotional um you know i <laughs> My, this is gonna sound stupid my concern was like will the wrestling fans remember to tip this bitch you know like because sometimes y'all don't know the rules uh, or y'all don't know how to act so I was really like she better get some money for this because she was really killing it um her speech after made me very emotional I mean it's like kind of like uh it, it's so poetic that she's become involved in the in the wrestling world now and very much embraced and very much beloved very quickly by wrestling it's it's truly like some kind of like shakespearean twist of events that she has become involved in this community and so that part of it's amazing um you know i think 
put on your like protect the business kayfabe ear earphones right now. You know, I want to see a real lip sync battle at one of these Paris's bumpings, like you know, because I think similar to like no wrestling fans not having heard ballroom music, they haven't seen real lip sync battles. A lot of them, you know, I'm, I'm sure a bunch of them watch Drag Race, but a lot of the girls don't know what that really looks like in a nightclub in an underground scene. So, you know, I want like uh, Washi to go up against some of like my children and <laughs> we'll see if she can hold her own. But I think that would be kind of the next level thing of like, you know, really showing the children what a real lip sync battle looks like. Washi needed her moment there. Washi deserved her moment there. It developed her storyline more, but in the future, I want the girls to battle. Mm. Same, with, same with Vogue battles, you know, I think getting more uh, actual like butch queens and femme queens from the scene into the show will, it's a challenge because they, ballroom people are very defensive and protective of the ballroom and they don't necessarily know shit about pro wrestling and don't have any reason to want to be involved. But I think when we get these shows to be showing off what a real lip sync battle looks like, what a real, you know, Vogue performance category looks like, that's when the fans are really going to gag. I mean, they're already fucking gagged, but they're really going <laughs> to fucking gag. So, um, but that being said, Washi getting her moment to shine in that, in, in that was everything. And um, her speech after was, was quite moving. And, you know, the poetic justice of her coming out in the, the camo is, is, it's like, so perfect like it's like almost like a Gabriel Garcia Marquez story it's like magical realism almost of like you know like the daughter succeeding the father and I don't know it was just incredible no I'm I'm with you I mean the, the moment that after the the lipstick battle and she puts on the ECW jacket and I'm just like motherfucker like it's just it's just tears honestly yeah. like it's just it's just a beautiful thing to see I'm with you on like kind of implementing the the actual like more realistic uh, lip sync battles, more realistic Vogue performances in a way, because like people have been very, very excited and very positively responding to what we've seen so far on these shows. Like, you know, Promise Juicy Couture uh, killed it, honestly, out there. Um, on, and then, of course, Candy always coming through from New Zealand and just bringing all the fucking attitude that she can. <laughs> um, yes, yes. I mean, they need to battle now. That's the only thing left, right? Exactly. Like we've, got, we've got the promo packages. Now we need the battles, right? <laughs> like, so I'm sure it'll happen. I'm sure Billy's on it. You know, I'm not doubting Billy in any way, but it's, it's. Uh, I don't think a lot of wrestling fans even understand that Vogue is done as a battle. You know, like it's mm -hmm. not, just a dance form it is also a competition and so making that leap is really gonna like blow some minds i think when it, when it finally happens you, like i was on i don't remember who it was oh i do remember who it was but i won't name names you know i there i i was talking with some let's say people from the comedy industry and they're straight dudes because it's the comedy industry and they were like i don't understand how vogue is a competition and i was like what do you mean you don't understand and they were like, well, it's just like a dance. How is it a competition? And I'm like, I, I mean, do you believe breakdancing can be a competition? And they're like, yeah, but how could Vogue? Like, they just literally aren't getting, something isn't getting, isn't working because they're not looking at it. You know, they won't, they're not, they're not going on the internet and looking at it and they're not going to the, they're certainly not going to the balls. So I think once they start seeing it, 
and especially seeing it in a context that makes sense to them, you know, in a wrestling context where like wins and losses matter, whatever that means, I think it will start making more sense to them. But, but there is a real disconnect there of like, I think wrestling fans understand that it is a beautiful art form and that it's really intense and really high energy, but they haven't seen the battles yet. No, and, and that was actually going to be my next question for you is that looking at, it feels like all these performances that we've seen so far, like really are more working towards introducing that part of the culture and that, and the idea of these, of these battles or these performances to audiences that might not necessarily know or understand exactly what they represent. So I, I definitely feel like we're on track to have something like that. And I think that the more people responded to the Vogue stuff this year than I think at last year's show. Um, and you know, I've seen plenty of people out there saying that, that there should be more Vogue in pro wrestling um, in, in a way. So it definitely makes sense that, that I think that path would be something that is continued to, uh, to be explored um, in the future. Focusing on the matches, what match stood out to you at the end of the night? What match was one that, whether you had expectation or not, what was the one that stood out to you the most? Um, that's a good question. Um, let me think. Uh, go down the card again, and I'll tell you. Okay, so we had opened up with Eel and Devon in the right. Peach versus Peeper match, which I'm very happy Incredible. that this show was able to sponsor. We always end up sponsoring the most chaotic shit on these shows, <laughs> I swear. Um, and then you had um, Kings of the District versus um, uh, Higher Society. We had the uh, Boxers for Priest match. We had the the eight person tag at the end. There was more in the middle. Why am I missing? I'm missing one in the middle. What am I missing? Oh, this is bothering. Oh, Eddie, Eddie, and Saint Sinclair. Oh, obviously yes. that was yes. also like a standout. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've been saying this about, Eddie's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. Eddie's one of the most charismatic performers. Eddie does the best character work out of anyone I've ever seen. Heel or babyface, like Eddie is it. Uh, Eddie is the moment. Eddie has been doing this for God, almost a goddamn decade. Eddie will be declared legendary when he hits a decade. Um, Eddie has overcome more adversity than almost anyone else in this goddamn business. Like, I cannot believe some of the stories Eddie tells. So seeing Eddie celebrated as a baby face, which is rare because Eddie's a good heel. And that was amazing. Also, Gabby Ortiz is such a good tag partner. Uh, Lil Atari's outfit was so fucking cool. Classic old school club kid, but also then make it wrestling. So good. St. Sinclair, um, is a good trash talker, but a better wrestler. You know, St. Sinclair was actually really good in the ring and I was not expecting that because usually people got to learn the trash talk because they can't back it up. Sinclair can. So the storyline of that match was great. I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, I like I like that this, some, uh, I think it was also, again, Sugar Dunkerton who tweeted like houses greater than stables. And yes. I'm like, the, the foundations of wrestling houses, I think is like gonna change the game and I really want it to happen. <laughs> You know, I, I, I like, I wish uh, DJs being in houses, uh, you really got to work for that, but someday we'll see where I land. I mean, House of the Nobodies has always sort of been a thing, but we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> no, Eddie and, and Saint, that entire like sequence there before even, and then after throwing in, you know, little Atari and, and Gabby was 
Um, probably one of the most just elaborate, exorbitant segments of the show, personally. Just Eddie's entrance alone with the whole House of McQueen was just, like, I don't know. In and of itself was something to behold, in a way. It was just such pageantry in it. And I, I will say this. I'm very happy that Gabby was able to be on this show because, like, I think Gabby is someone in the community that isn't very vocal about being in the community. And mm. being able to actually have a moment on this stage alongside like so many other people that have been celebrated in this community, um, I don't know. I from to me it was very very um, cathartic. Not the right word, but it was just it was it it felt really good to see her be able to like kind of embrace this this part of her in and a you way. Could see on her face, she was having the yeah. best time. Exactly, like, you could like. You could just tell, I mean, look, a lot of these people are coming from regular, regular, you know, wrestling locker rooms where they're, it's 80% straight guys. You know, like to be in a, they're not, I have the privilege of being in a million backstages with 9 million drag queens all the time. Most of these girls are not having that. So when they get to be around people who are there to have fun and are not about some kind of egoistic bullshit, you know, and, or just be around other fucking queer people, you know, like it's, that's rare for a lot of people in wrestling. So I think that was, you could just see on her face that she was having fun. Also part of what made that match so good was, was House of Atari had an aesthetic, House of McQueen had an aesthetic. The wrestling girlies don't always understand how important it is that a team looks similar. There has to be a family resemblance, you know, like part of what I find so absurd about AEW is like, there's all these factions and they don't have any, com- like who, why are they together? They have no commonality. It's just kind of like, well, they're friends in real life. So now they're friends on, in the show. It doesn't make any sense. Give them matching outfits or something. Give them some kind of aesthetic commonality. You know, like even like best friends, Orange Cassidy, Chris Statlander. They're all so cool individually. They're all so talented as wrestlers. Why the fuck are they a team? Other than because they're friends in real life. Put them in something that makes them make sense as a team. Even um, uh, a Dark Order, whatever, like they, they clearly it's some kind of weird cult, but now it's kind of a joke, but they don't have like a coherent aesthetic and, and it would just make so much more sense or, and be more visually interesting if they had some kind of look that tied it all together. And they ju- there just isn't. And so like, you know, like think of like the greatest tag teams in wrestling, they had a distinct look that made sense. Like the Hardy Boys, they came out in the fishnets or, you know, whatever, that's one example, but I can, I'm sure 9 million more you could come up with off the top of your head. So the fact that like we're on this show, this indie show and the house has a, a family resemblance, that alone makes more, more, sense than you know the the way that wrestling teams are or stables are often treated yeah i mean i mean you saw it later on in the show as well like with uh billy and erica and ashton as well right. yeah so like it, it translated throughout the entire night and like i'm i'm with you on that like that's something that does create a disconnect whenever you don't see a commonality whether it be aesthetic or ideals or anything like that like it does, it it creates a separation in a way, and and if you have to take the time to try and understand why a group is together without it kind of being like communicated to you, that's time wasted from trying to connect to these yeah. people and connect with what you're seeing. Yeah. Um. But and not, it's like, so funny because these 
big wrestling business people will get up there and be like, wrestling's a visual industry. You got to look good. You got to like have muscles. You got to have this, that, and the other, blah, 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 blah. Like it's an aesthetic business, but then they don't get matching outfits for the teams. You know, like it's so simple or something like even just like uh, LIJ in New Japan, like, yeah, they're all disparate, but they're all punk. You know, like it's, it's that simple. Like yeah. all of them are kind of punk. Like it just makes more sense. Exactly. It's a vibe. And like, I, I swear, like House of Atari has such a vibe to it. Like they all do, but like, I don't know why House of Atari, just for some reason, like Saint and Lil Atari, like when they came out, like it had, it just like had this, this feeling for me. Cause I haven't seen a ton of Saint. I know of Saint. Um, I've seen like a few of, of his matches and I was very happy to see him on the show just cause I was able to get to a chance to really like watch his style um but i don't know there was this it there was a certain like thing that was just communicated really really well through through their presence and also i didn't realize there was going to be the promo on the show with them like you know taking baseball bats to tvs and stuff and i'm like okay so kind so give, kind. it's like an azalea bangs track or something right like, yes <laughs> and that one girl looks like azalea like a lot and I was mm. like, yeah, yeah no i was yeah i was just like okay let me i this is what i i want to go do this with them i want to go like beat the shit out of electronics yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right yens thank you so much for tuning into lgbt in the ring uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things but i do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black Design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSWBand, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahandthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboy otm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show the mr video game super show i co-host that with uh, twitch streamers slacker kite and lady Merwin every monday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over on twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment, sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. Um, so we talked about it a little bit earlier, but let, let's talk a little bit about the Boxers of Reese match, um, because, like, I don't know. I really enjoyed the idea behind it. Like, it's pretty obvious. Like, you're taking the concept of the brawn panties match that has been derided for so long um, and spinning it on its head and putting it into, like, switching the gaze up and putting it onto, you know, male-bodied persons in this way. Um, 
and I think that all four involved kind of had a lot of fun with this. I know totally. De- I know Des and MV definitely did. PB, totally. yeah. Um, what? Oh, PB was having fun in that. Like, what was it like? Silk jumpsuit. It was beautiful. Yes, it he, was. Very, he was maybe grumpy about having to take it off, but he did. He was having fun wearing it. I felt so bad whenever, like, at the end of the match, when MV was just like yanking it, like him and Brooke were both like yanking it off. I felt like you're just going to stretch that out. I, please don't tear this. <laughs> like, I don't know. But the match itself was MV's a lot of- outfit that night. I don't like oh complimenting him because his head's so big, but his outfit looked really cool. If if uh, his girl is styling him right now. She's doing a great job because that outfit was cool as fuck. <laughs> agreed, agreed. I I did not think I was gonna see MB in a, in a mesh. Uh, <laughs> on it was the a good show. look. It was a good look. It was. Um, talk to me a little bit about about like the, the concept of this match itself and like how you kind of came around because like you said at the beginning like you thought that this was gonna be really stupid but then it turned out to be a a, a lot of fun. Um, watching I mean, it. sometimes stupid is a compliment you know yeah, like it's true <laughs> like uh michelle visage always says it on drag race like you know there there's no higher compliment than being called stupid on the drag race run- runway like there there is something fun about just like it doesn't have to be a fucking intellectual thing every single time so i maintain that it's stupid but <laughs> in the best way possible <laughs> you know like uh there was the, the other part of it was that like you have four really good wrestlers in there. So like uh, the, I think that was kind of the irony of it because the bra and panties match was so famous for like, it was just like, you know, strippers from down the block, like uh, who didn't know what they were doing and they were just ripping each other's clothing off. There was actual wrestling in the match. There was a, still a storyline. There was still a logic. There was still character work. And so that's what made it, you know, elevated stupidity, let's say. <laughs> no, like it definitely was. And, I, I just I really liked it because it just seemed like everybody involved was having a lot of fun with the idea of it. And, you know, I. I don't know, I haven't seen a ton of um, of these style of matches that like to like switch things up in, in terms of like who they put the, the gaze on. And, you know, the first one or the, the most recent one that I can think of, you know, obviously also came from the uh the underrepresented communities here and that was the gray sweatpants battle royal um mm. from tampa and i don't know it's it's always refreshing to see these sort of things happen uh and to have those those turns um as well as also the embracing of like you know male body sexuality on on a pro wrestling show because let's face it you don't get that a lot on on pro wrestling outside of like lgbtq shows or shows right. that i that mean are... what's funny is that you do get it all the time but we all have to pretend like that's not what's happening yes <laughs> like, exactly you know, like <laughs> finn balor shoving his dick into a camera and everyone's like oh no he's a serious ass like come on it's yeah. like there there's always an erotic male gaze in wrestling g-a-z-e um but we we all have to pretend like it's not there because it's serious and it's a storytelling, whatever. Like, come on, like it's <laughs> it's absurd. You know, my predominant pleasure in watching wrestling is not an erotic one. I have plenty of friends who are like, I watch it cause they're hot. Like, you know, like, and that's a valid, valid, whatever way to watch it too. Um, but it, it's funny to say, to hear you say like, okay, well, like the male gaze is in, or like there are certain kinds of ways that male bodies aren't eroticized in wrestling. I mean, they're always eroticized. That's they're in their underwear. It is an erotic activity, whether they want to admit it or not. Yeah. I guess this is something that like uh, RJ city pointed out to me that they have to pretend 
like it's um this is like a macho thing so that they can deny the physical intimacy of what they're doing yeah and i think that's more so what i'm speaking to is that sort of thing like this idea of like not seeing it that way or actively choosing to frame it in a different way as opposed to a match like this where that is the exact framing of it right right yeah yeah and it's just i don't know like i i really enjoy whatever and this kind of translates to the entire night honestly being able to see the embracing of something that is like different or not necessarily quote unquote accepted whenever it comes to like the mainstream pro wrestling audience you know um and just having people be able to like feel themselves in a way you know because like that's really that's really the predominant thing coming out of this show for me um and especially being in the audience for this show was that like it really felt like an atmosphere and an environment for people to really embrace their true selves and to live outwardly in a way that you would not normally see at a pro wrestling event. Yeah. Look, I mean, part of why I think ballroom is like the highest art form in human history is because, and I've had this thought while like fucked up and watching ballroom videos on my computer every single day is this is what freedom looks like. There is, there is no greater expression of freedom than moving your body in ways that you were told not to for your whole life. Of, of internalized policing of your own gestures and movements so as to appear a certain way, so as to not be victimized in public. You know, so the, that kind of freedom of moving in, in, in total control and being celebrated for these movements that you have been told not to do your whole life is, is extremely cathartic you know i don't mean to sound precious about it it's it's probably very healing um for a lot of these people and i think that there is no there like this is as close as the wrestling world gets to that for certain people i am sure wrestling in general feels as healing and cathartic because they get to have this kind of power that was robbed from them for for their whole lives and i think wrestling draws certain kinds of disenfranchised people to it because it, it is a way for them to get a kind of power back into their lives. But this is kind of the next level of that because it's these people who have been, you know, beaten and destroyed and uh, oppressed and obliterated for their very existence being celebrated for the very thing they were told that they should not be doing. And so that, that is the kind of freedom of, of ballroom. And I think of, of, you know, if someone could rightfully pick apart a lot of the ways that this show portrayed ballroom or uh, used ballroom, I think it was done with the purest intentions. And I think that freedom that all of the performers and the audience members got to feel at that show, that's the spirit of ballroom. So I think in that way, the show a million percent succeeded. And like, I think like, honestly, some of the, the images that really represent that freedom that you talk about weren't on the IWTV broadcast. Um, like there's so much that that you know because this was like a five hour night cut down to three a little over three hours for the broadcast itself there were a lot of moments that happened in that building that were missed by a lot of the the people that were tuning in on Thursday like you know I, I know it's been released on YouTube but you had the intermission like fan category fan walks um, you had the VIP walks there there were other like like walks and like sort like sort of like battles that were like spawning I mean, just around in the, the intermission ring. everyone was just having yeah. a dance party like, exactly like, like these are people who if they were to go to a wrestling show and they were to do what they were doing at that show they would be potentially 
exposing themselves to real serious violence. So yeah. there was that kind of freedom there. You know, I wanted to be a bitch and I was like, Billy, we should be able to chop people during the fan category. And Billy was like, no, no, everyone. <laughs> was like, no, I want to chop the hose. Um, so you can thank Billy for that, but because I want to be meaner. But um, no, I, I think it's true. I think there, there, it was, there were points that, that you couldn't necessarily see. I mean, like Sahara during the intermission was literally battling a bunch of people in the audience. Like it was yeah. so much, fun. it was so much fun. <laughs> no, and, and I, I think that that really like cemented. Oh, that three-way also, that was the other match we missed. Yes, oh my the- God, how did we miss the, how did we miss <laughs> Sahara and Karen and Jared? So good. Oh my so God, good. I feel so, please do not feel slighted, any of you three, because that match was so good. So Sahara- good. Sahara Sahara's like entrance wardrobe change um incredible incredible I don't know how she did that that fast I don't either I don't either like and and oh my Karen Karen is someone that has been like over the the past year has been really making a name for herself and I love that she's getting these larger stages now and and she's actually being able to 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 put herself out there in the way that she is because she you know she's still young in her career but she is so talented and yeah. she was so like into the idea of what this show totally, was supposed to totally. be um and then of course jared's just like a very talented very bitchy <laughs> yes yes we love our prince we love our prince <laughs> jared I swear. um really talks uh, a big game on twitter but <laughs> uh He's pretty good at banter, I will say. He needs to be given a mic, uh, but he doesn't always have the the strongest comeback. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but I mean, that kind of fits. He's a heel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just has to hang out with more drag queens to get the 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 speed of it up a little bit. I can see that. I think, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jared, no. I hope you're not listening because I love you. No, honestly though, Jared. Um, I saw Jared at uh, and at the event that will not be named many years ago, and the amount of improvement that he has done in the past few years. He is such a good wrestler now, such a good wrestler, and completely understands how to use his like size and speed in a, in the ring way that makes it interesting and believable. Incredible, incredible. Yeah, and it also and all of those movements play into the personality and play into the character in a way that really fits it. And like you know, I I say bitchy here, but like that's the idea of the character. Yeah, yeah. that's who it's supposed and to I've be. And I've seen him work face. I think at that Butch versus Gorsher show, he was face. Yes. Also, still really good at that. And I I kind of was like, Billy, why are you booking Jared face? He can't do face. And I was wrong. He can. <laughs> No, I, I, God, that whole, that, that three-way was just really good. And I'm glad that, that it sparked your brain. Cause I would have felt bad if we didn't talk about I know, that match. I oh, I, that was one the one of the ones where like, I was really excited. I know that like to the wrestlers, it probably seems very silly. Like the little dance segment where we, they, they get judged. To mm-hmm. me, that was one of the, like doing that for every match was one of the, the most fun parts. Cause it let so many of them like show their personalities in ways that you can't, necessarily do in a one minute walk to the ring yeah no it it definitely felt like an extension of an entrance and you know even for the people that um just refused to do it or threw up the middle fingers which i think like there might have been a bit of a overuse of that sort of thing on on this show if i had a critique 
that would probably be the one critique there, which is like all the heels basically were just like, nah, nah or nah, nah, or something like that, you know. Um, but I think that it really does. It really did help to kind of like hammer out like how these people should be like seen by the audience mm-hmm. and and like who they are um, in terms of how they em- embrace the environment that they are in. Um, I, so much so that like. I don't know if necessarily you would want like like little like dance interludes in every show, but like it, it adds to an idea of, of creating more space, especially in independent pro wrestling, creating more space for people to find them, themselves in terms of a character or an identity and being able to find better ways of communicating that outside of, you know, so many people just like I am the, the wrestler, right. quote unquote. Also, yeah. it's just more fun when wrestling is a party. Like, like a, a, a drag show is fun, but a drag party is really fun. You know, like it's, it's <laughs> like there's a party means everyone's involved. There's, it's more than just what, like a spectator spectated. It's, it's just more interesting that way. So I, I, I've always been really interested in hybrid wrestling shows and the way when wrestling is wrestling, but it's also something else, you know, like Casanova's uh, no ring shows, which were wrestling shows and sometimes art shows, wrestling shows and sometimes, you know, just big parties. Like those are, those are way more interesting to me than, you know, a five hour 16 match, you know, one women's match, one tag team match kind of uh, situation. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's been said multiple times in many different places, but like those sort of hybrid events are so much more welcoming to like fans who don't necessarily engage with pro wrestling or are more casual about it. And it really gives them an avenue to really look into this world for for a moment, at least. And it doesn't um, overload them. So I guess like the really the only question that remains is what do you feel is the lasting image coming out of the show going forward? Um, well, I love that, like, there has been, like, now there is a grand prize championship. Like, that, I I think formalizing it in that kind of way is really cool, um, that there is now something in future Paris's bumpings to be fought for, that different characters can have a motivation now, other than just, like, uh, win the category. So I think that's really exciting. I love the resurrection of the Divas Championship as a championship that people want. I think that's yes. so fun. I wonder when they're going to get a and b about it, but we'll deal with that when it happens. <laughs> um, but I think, I mean, also the, the lasting images to me are, are of the, the flower ceremony of Mariah literally being handed flowers of um, these people not uh, dying in obscurity anymore of, of, people being celebrated for what once was causing them to be attacked. Uh, I, I think that is is part of the, the legacy. You know, Billy has said, um, I, I just want the dolls to feel appreciated. And that's really the goal of, of the show more than anything else. Um, and I think it would be hard to argue that that was not accomplished. I, I think it's very clear that there is now, because of Billy's work and because of these shows, a newfound respect for people who had blaze trails for such a long time and had been so unappreciated 
um, getting their due. And I think that's, that's really the lasting image of, uh, that, that the show leaves me with. Mm. Couldn't agree more, honestly. Like, that's really what I came away from there. That and just the freedom that we spoke about at length already before. Like, it was mm-hmm. just the most freeing environment that I've ever been in in a pro wrestling show. And I need that again soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Accident Report, thank you so much for you taking for the time. Let I everybody, appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Let everybody know where they can uh, find you online. Yes, um, you can find me on Twitter at Eric underscore Shory. You can find my writing mostly right now on judgment.substack.com. Uh, I often have interviews with pro wrestlers and other artists on there. We uh, hope to have more videos coming out on the Nobody's YouTube channel show soon. Uh, our editor is taking some extra time to make sure everything looks beautiful and sounds good. So we apologize for the delays on that, but they're coming. Um, and yeah, mixcloud.com slash accident report. You can find all of my live DJ sets from the night of the show there. And uh, hopefully you can have a little bit of a dance party in your house or car <laughs> with that. Um, keep an eye out. I'll be DJing around New York in the future as long as venues are open. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. My thanks once again to DJ Accident Report for coming back on the show, taking time to chat all about this outstanding show that, uh, honestly, I wish I could have bottled some of the energy and, and love and community that was in that building in Jersey one month ago and just have it on my desk to open up anytime that I'm feeling a little down or a little dragging or you know just need a quick little reminder of how beautiful the pro wrestling community can be whenever uh, given the space to do so um, yeah like I said before go check out the show on independentwrestling.tv if you haven't yet um, and yeah that's you know what? Normally I have more to say, I think, at the end of the show here, but I think that's just it. Go watch Paris' Bumming Soligal 21. Go watch it. Check out Grab House tonight. Get ready for Polly M. Woodstock <laughs> at the end of the month. There's so much happening. So much. Um, but yeah, there's not much happening left here, for at least for this week. So we're in it. It's the end of the show. Um, so until next week, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated, and Lady Gaga is definitely not mid. Bye!